Everybody and welcome back to episode number two of the Big Tech Small Biz Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Holland, along with co-host Justin Parks. What's up? And I am excited today because part one, we did an interview with me, just learning about my past employment as well as small business owner history so we can give you guys uh, just kind of as we're getting this podcast off the ground give you guys an idea of where we're coming from our backstory with business uh, where we're currently at and so we interviewed me last week Justin interviewed me and now this week I will be interviewing Justin so you ready to get this rolling bro I am ready awesome awesome let's do this let's do this so um, really, let's start with kind of the the first jobs that you had. I know you have a you're in the theater business now, and you've had a very long and uh, kind of illustrious career in the in the theater realm. And actually, your current business is pretty fascinating to me. Actually, um, if you told someone you're in the theater business, what you do, um, yeah, it would probably not be the first thing that comes into their I always head. get I always get the the, the craziest reactions the, people the, are like can't believe they just they kinda, can't believe what I do and then <laughs> they, they just, think about it for a second they're like oh okay that kind of makes oh, sense okay, yeah <laughs> I, I guess that's doable I guess that's doable but yeah. but no we're, uh, we're not going to spoil it so we'll, we'll yeah. save that we'll save that for the end um, but let's start off with um, just kind of the the first kind of jobs you had yeah, as a kid and, and where you kind of got into um, uh, you know kind of the journey of where you where you where you are now. Well, I was, yeah, I was like a child of the eighties and back then parents didn't give their kids everything they wanted or needed. You had to actually, you had to actually work. And so, um, and I, and I already had like an entrepreneurial like bent anyway. So, um, my first jobs were having a newspaper route and I'd wake up at 5am and go deliver a hundred papers around the neighborhood. And it was my job to go around and collect at the end of each month. Um, the, like the newspaper dues or whatever. And uh, so I did that for about a year. What, what do you get paid in the 80s for a newspaper route? I, I think I made around $100 or $120 a month doing okay. that. Okay. So it was like 4 or $5 a day. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, now kids want $15 an hour to just sit on a couch yeah. and hang out with people's kids while they watch TV, yeah, right? Now my 7-year-old says, that, says, that's it, when I give her $5. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, that was one of my first jobs. I also like mowed lawns, and that was... Uh, a good gig. I had like three or four lawns in the neighborhood I would mow. And, um, yeah, so those were my early, early jobs. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, I got into like, um, security, believe it or not. I would, I was in charge of supervising a, an outdoor amphitheater, uh, during the summer. And so it was my job to make sure that nobody stole anything, uh, and any of the technical equipment, and there weren't any drunks hanging out. So how, how does that work? How do you guard an, an amphitheater? I mean, that's kind of yeah. big. So one guy, you're just kind of roaming around? Yeah, or? I mean, it's not, it wasn't so big that you couldn't, that one person couldn't monitor it. Okay. So I would just, like, walk around and listen for noises. And, um, you know, this was before cell phones, so, you know, it was actually really, really boring. <laughs> I, I sat around for an eight, eight-hour eight shift, now, I got real excited when I was able to clean the amphitheater. So after the performances, if you had the next, um, kind of the next um, 
shift, then it was your job to come in and clean the amphitheater. And I was really oh, excited about that. Exciting times. Yeah, because I use a, I use a leaf blower and blow up all the popcorn and debris and stuff and put it away. And so that was my summer job for for call or for high school. And then uh, um, throughout all that, I was like really active in theater, like especially musical theater and um, uh, developing as an actor and as a performer. And um, I, I thought that that was the career path for me was to be like a professional performer. And uh, but uh, after my senior year, I got offered the opportunity to teach theater and I got the opportunity to direct theater um, for kids. And after doing that, I kind of, I started to kind of, my heart started to be drawn more toward education and teaching and directing and producing theater. So um, that became my career path. So what was it about your, um, I guess, your theater career? So you, I guess you were in youth theater yeah, growing up, just like typical youth theater. I was. Um, and, and then uh, what was it about, I guess, that experience? What talents, I guess, were exposed in that time period that made... Um, you know, that, that made teaching theater and all that kind yeah. of a good fit I, for you. I don't know if I was ever like a really natural teacher. I think that I was more maybe um, good at like looking at the big picture of a show. Like what, is it, what does this show need to be successful? What do the performers need to be doing? Um, what is the scenery and costumes? What do those need to look like? And how do we keep these transitions fast so the audience is staying kind of connected to the story? So I think uh, probably... My gifting, I did teach and I was pretty good at it, but I think that probably my more, my stronger gift was like the producing of it and the kind of having the vision for the show and the story and how to make it tight and how to make it look like how to make it funny and how to bring out different elements that maybe weren't, that aren't normally in the script. So I, I cannot even fathom the ability to do something like that. I mean, Justin and I are very different in, in this regard. The idea of, of what he does with theater is just, I mean, well beyond my, my cap- capabilities. It's actually, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty impressive. And with the youth theater that he does today, I know um, uh, the kids really love him because uh, he's very good at what he does and he's very good at uh, bringing, bringing the talents out and just putting together a, a fantastic show. So, no, that's... I, I can't even fathom doing that, but I know you, you can. You do it. You do it well, and so it's kind of blossomed into a mm. blossomed into a into a career. So, so you uh, you begin teaching youth theater. Yeah, I was teaching theater and I was directing theater, but simultaneous to that, um, this was during my college years. I was a youth pastor at my church, so I was the junior high youth pastor, and um, I, I enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed leading the worship time. I enjoyed kind of walking the kids through, um, you know, the Bible and teaching them about the Bible. And now, how did, how did you, how did you get into youth pastor? What was it that <laughs> kind of led you to make that, make that jump? Well, in both instances, what happened was I was supposed to go away to college. So I got accepted to a conservatory program, uh, for theater. And, um, in the midst of going through that process, I realized that to make that commitment, I had to be all in for theater. I couldn't have a job. And I, in fact, I couldn't even go to church on Sunday. That's how intense this program was. And so that's I'd, not cool. I turned down all my other opportunities to go to this conservatory, and at the very last second, realized, oh wait, this isn't, this is not what I'm supposed to do. And so um, it was scary to say no to that because there's like a big swallowing of pride 
when you go from telling people, hey, I'm going to this conservatory for theater, it's kind of a big deal, to going, oh, I'm going to go to community college. And then they go, oh, what happened? <laughs> you know, and there's nothing wrong. I, it, it turned out to be the yeah. exact right thing for me because I, you know, fast forward, I was able to graduate college with zero debt. But also by turning down the going away to school option, when I stayed local, the people that knew me were like, oh, let's put them to work. So my, my youth theater program, the artistic director was like, hey, come direct for us, come teach for us now that I know you're staying here. And then my, same thing for my pastor. He said, oh, you're staying here? Oh, um, would you be interested in getting involved with youth ministry? And I was like, yeah. So it was more like being asked to do it. And then I'm one of those people that I will accept opportunities and then figure it out later. Like, I'm not one of those people that, that gets an opportunity and goes, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Or well, what does that entail? I'm more of like, oh, okay, I'll make it up. Or like, it, that's still true today. It's like, do you want to do this? Yeah, that sounds exciting. And then I figure out how to do it. Um, and so that's, I guess that's a good skill is to like kind of be willing. And sometimes it backfires, of course. But in this, these cases, I, I kind of was able to just kind of figure it out as I went. And um, I found out that I really enjoyed the theater producing more than I enjoyed the youth pastoring. And they were both great. Um, I saw youth pastoring, believe it or not, is like more lucrative, which is kind of ironic. That's amazing. Youth you must not have made much in theater. <laughs> yeah, I, I made like probably $200 or $300 every three months in theater. So $100 a month. Oh my gosh. And that didn't, that probably covered like a portion of the gas. But I wasn't smart enough to even figure out if that was a good deal or for not, or not for me because I just really enjoyed it. I was like, oh, what an opportunity. I don't, if I, and I get paid? Oh, great. So, but then when I viewed youth pastoring, I thought of it as like, oh, they make $20,000 a year. That's a lot of money. Um, Big time. Yeah. Um, hey, I know, what it, I know what it's like to be around your age and have the opportunity, you know, to make your age at that time. And, and I mean, that, that is a, to a single guy a lot. that, I mean, that's like, wow. Uh, yeah, which, which when they're offering it to you, they probably, I mean, from their perspective, you know, it's, hey, it's not much money, but you know. This no, is an opportunity. Yeah, you know? I, actually, they weren't even saying this is not much money. They're saying this is a lot of money. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I had opportunities out of college to work at a couple different churches as a youth pastor. But um, in the midst of that, I, I, my, I was being honest with God. And I think it's so important for us as Christians to be honest with God and not try to pretend with him or try to pretend with others or... Um, follow a path that we think is what other people want us to do or what we think society or culture wants us to do. I think it's really important as Christians to try to talk to God on a daily basis and pray and, and, and to be honest with him and tell him our secrets. He knows them anyway, but I think when we verbalize them, it's very powerful. So what I shared with the Lord was I said, Lord, I, I know I could be a youth pastor, but what I really want to do, if there's any way this is possible. Could I just direct theater for my living? Is there any way that is possible? Because that's what I really want to do. And as soon as it seemed like, as soon as I prayed that prayer, I got a letter from a family that I had directed their kids in some shows. They and when they left, I kind of jokingly said to them, "Wouldn't it be great if we started a theater program in Chicago?" And and I was joking, and they were they thought, "Oh, that's." They thought that was a serious thing. So they wrote me a letter like a couple years later and said, hey, are you interested in doing that idea of starting a theater? Because we really want to do this. And it was kind of an answer to prayer because I was like, oh, yeah, I've been praying about this. And the offer from them was, of course, no money. And we don't have a place for you to live. 
and there's no job here, but we're part of a really exciting church called Willow Creek. And um, in college, I had found out is, about... Is this the famous this Willow the Creek famous in Chicago? Willow Creek. And Willow Creek back then was really well known for being the, the kind of the groundbreaking church that was actually using theater as part of the worship service. So they would use drama sketches and creative elements in their not services. just in like the youth group but in like the main yeah the main service, service would have like an adult acting team that would put on original s- scenes in within the service and i thought that was like just jaw-dropping i was like wow this oh, no is incredible question. and i ended, ended up i had done my senior thesis about arts in theater or a theater in the church and so for, for them to say well we're part of that church and hey you can come and maybe they'll give you a job um you know i was willing to you know, after some prayer, I was really felt inspired to do this. And so I ended up packing up all my belongings in my Saturn, and I drove from San Diego and moved to Chicago suburbs. And I had like $2,000 in my bank account. I thought, that's enough to last me an entire year. Because um, I really didn't know what it cost to live. I, I just thought, oh, well, that's plenty of money. An entire year, An entire year off, off of $2,000. Well, hey, that's like 180 bucks a month. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. big money. Big yeah, money. So, you could live under a bridge pretty comfortably, you know, 180 bucks a month. Yeah, so. so I didn't think of any of that. I just like, oh, I have money and the Lord will provide, which is actually a, the perfect place to be. Um, you know, God wants us to be trusting in Him, and He doesn't want us to always figure everything out before we move. And um, and what's interesting is in my life, I've looked back and that's like the best things I've ever done or ever had opportunities to be part of were always things where I wasn't sure what was at the end of the road, but I felt like God was leading me to do it. And this was one of those things where I was like, I feel like God's leading me to do it. I didn't have all the answers. I didn't, I was naive. I didn't know that, oh, you're supposed to have a little bit more money and you're supposed to have a drive, job lined up and you're supposed to have a place to live. But when I got there, um, you know, within a few days, or with, actually the, the same day I arrived, they had found somebody that I could rent a room from them. And so I found a place to live the first day I arrived. Um, the guy that I lived with was in charge of a nursing home. And he's like, I need to hire a night security guy. <laughs> I'm like, I have experience with that. I've done night security wow. before. And so I got a job within like, I think a day of arriving. Um, so I had a place to live, I had a job, and I think a week later, we auditioned for our first little theater endeavor. You know, and what, and what your experience reminds me of, it's, uh, I, there's a friend of mine in college that he, like, knew from the Lord he was supposed to take an engineering job in New Mexico. He applied, and he got, like, rejected from this company. Mm-hmm. He didn't get, ex- uh, didn't get the job. He moves out there anyway. Wow, yeah. And and it ended up like he ended up getting a job and everything. But it was it was just like anybody would have told him, like, that's what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? That's crazy. But like he knew from the Lord that that's where he was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And it ended up working out beautifully. Um and and so like in your situation, the the Lord was leading you. Yeah. You know, and so if the Lord is leading you, even if the situation looks like Oh man, how is this and this and this yeah. and this going to happen? And really, all of that is nothing to God. The yeah. most important, so from our perspective, is, is our obedience and just yeah. following His Spirit where where He leads us. That's what you did. You and you move there, and it's like immediately yeah. God puts the things that you need into place. I and mean, that's awesome. Yeah, it was. I, I I 
you know, I, I was reading the Bible a lot, um, and I knew about Abraham. I knew that he was blessed because he walked into the unknown. He left his family. He walked into the land that God would show him later. And it, was, it felt like very like Abraham, like, oh, I'm being, I'm being like Abraham by moving out into the unknown. And, um, you know, of course, when you get married and you have kids, you start getting a little more gun-shy about, about those things. But, um, you know, I, I, we just kept doing stuff like that. We kept, like, I moved to Chicago. It became a really big program. It became um, hundreds of kids doing theater, direct, um, auditioning for shows, being in classes and stuff. And it was very successful. And I met uh, a girl that I fell in love with. And right at that exact, it seemed like at that exact time, the Lord was like, I need you to move again. And I was like, wow, this is really, now it was inconvenient. It wasn't exciting anymore. It was more like, this is the wrong timing for me to move. I've got this girl I've fallen in love with, and um, the program's growing really well. I'm making money doing this, and now you want me to move away? And so, because I'd been there for like a like two years, two and a half years, and he made it real clear, yeah, yeah, I need you to step down from this and, and put in your notice and I'll show you. It was like an Abraham thing again. Like, you need to move away, and I'll show you later <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. Like, I knew it was going to be like theater. I knew it was going to be planning like ministry and doing youth theater still, but I didn't know where, and I didn't know how, and I didn't know how I'd, you know, get money and stuff. Um, so I, I was obedient, and I told our board chair, I said, I need to move out and move away, and we got to find a replacement. And he's like, well, where are you going to go? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, you know, I don't know. And again, with, it seemed like pretty quickly after that, pretty soon after I got a call from a family that had moved from Chicago to Kansas city, Kansas. And it said, we really want to start a, a youth theater here. Like what you have in Chicago. Um, can you give us some advice? Well, how about we, that? We want some ideas. Not like we heard the Lord, told, you know, they didn't know anything about what decisions I had already made. And I said, well, it's funny that you guys are calling because I felt called to leave and I'm willing to, I feel like this is an answer to prayer, like I'm supposed to help you. And so we got um, the blessing of like kind of the, the you know, the mothership uh, for this company for me to move and they were going to help me a little bit with it. I was going to raise some support and um, I went to the, to my girlfriend and said, you know, I, I'm going to move to Kansas City. Would you be willing to move with me? And um, that was a step of faith, too, because I didn't know she would say yes. Um, but she did. And that, that girl's my wife. To this, you know, we've been married for almost 19 years. And, uh, you know, we moved there, and we lived separately. And um, she was the breadwinner, actually, for that year. I didn't, I didn't make much money at all. And she was the actual breadwinner while we were there. We got married, I think, I want to say we got married like six months after we moved there. We lived separately, and then we got married, and then we moved in course together and the Lord blessed that too and um, and I knew when I went there and I told them up front hey I'm only here for one year and then after this year I'm going to move somewhere else and so I was there for one year you're like, you're like an, an apostle of youth theater yeah, it, it. I, yeah honestly I was and um, uh, you know I, and I moved back actually from there I moved back to my hometown San Diego and I worked for the, the kind of the corporate entity and did that, and I thought, oh, well, I'm going to do this for a long time. It was um, basically the job was to expand the program. So I, and I, I thought that would be a perfect job because I got to go to travel around and open new programs and help them develop the system of expanding their franchise. Essentially, it was a franchise. 
Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but it, I enjoyed it at first, and then I realized, okay, I started to look around and realize, oh, this is a desk job. So yeah, I travel once in a while, but most of this is sitting at a desk, and I don't really have a lot of um, activity when it comes to running a theater. And I, I really realized, you know what, I'm wired to be more actively involved in the theater side. And yeah. <clears throat> I remember, I, I was again, I was honest with the Lord, and I'm not always honest with the Lord, but in this instance, I was really honest, and I said, Lord, I want to go back into being an artistic director. I want to have a program that I can put, can just kind of be actively involved. I don't want to be an administrator to help other people start theaters. I really want to be back to kind of at the front lines. And I said, I'll move anywhere you want me to move, but I don't want to move back to Chicago. And I don't know why I didn't want to move back to Chicago. I, I think in my mind I was like, well, if I move back there, then I have to work for the person that runs the program now that I'd hired. And in my mind, I'm like, that doesn't really appeal to right. work for that person. So I'd like to go somewhere where I don't have to work for someone I had already hired. It seemed awkward to me. And so um, I said, I'll go anywhere, but I don't want to go back to Chicago. And at the time, we were, my wife Rachel was pregnant with our first child. And, and that was a dilemma too, because we were a two-income family and we needed to be a two-income family. And when she, I, when she, when we had the baby, we were like, what are we going to do about that income? So there was this gap of like what we needed to live off of. And what's so crazy is I prayed, Lord, I need to move somewhere else and I need to do this. I don't want to move back to Chicago. We had this financial need. And again, it seemed like pretty quick, pretty soon after, maybe a month after, I get a call from the board president of the program in Chicago and they say, this situation has happened. The artistic director is being asked to step down. Would you consider coming back to this program and taking over this job? And it's X amount of dollars. And in my mind, I did the quick math. I'm like, oh, that's the exact salary I make plus my wife's salary. Wow. You know, like almost to like the dollar. You know, you know what the moral to this story is? Whenever you tell the Lord you're willing to move somewhere, never say anywhere but here. Yeah, because it's probably going to be there. Because it's probably going to be there. Yeah, and it was. And, and, but at the, when I got the offer, I was like, oh, and I didn't have any reservations about it. The obstacle I thought was there was not there. And it fulfilled a, a like, tangible need that we had as a family. And so um, we moved back. And that program went from having like three branches and then by the time I left there around 14 years later 13 years later they they had 10 branches so it grew like astronomically that's there incredible thousands of kids each semester and we had four quarters four semesters every year we had I want to say it was 7,000 enrollments per year we had audiences of over a hundred thousand per year it was a ended up becoming like a for youth a very large theater, youth theater. And wow. It still is. It's still going. It's still I mean, great. how big were the performances? Like how many people in the audience at these performances? Did oh, y'all have pretty big? Yeah, I mean, we would we would have when we did a production, we'd have an average of 3 or 4,000 up to like 8,000 people come see. But we would do we would do 20, I think it was like 27 performances. 27 separate productions each year all over Chicagoland and into Wisconsin. It was a really big operation. And um so it, I, I liked being part of something that was growing and getting big, and um, it definitely fit my skill set of like I'm 
I'm, I'm entrepreneurial, so I like to see things grow, and I like to take risks, and, um, and we, it, it worked out really well. Um, and it's, toward the end of that, though, I, I started to kind of slip in terms of like not really walking with the Lord in terms of like taking my, my, my walk and prayer life very seriously. It became more about like, well, if I just work for the ministry, that's enough, which is like a huge fatal mistake that I think people in ministry can make, which is like substituting I work for a ministry with my personal walk. And so looking back, I realized, well, there was probably two years or three years where I was kind of substituting working for a Christian ministry with actual prayer, actual devotion, actual reading of the Bible. And so kind of the fruit of that was I think I didn't, be, I wasn't as in tune with the company and with the other staff members I was working with. And I, I don't think I was able to kind of minister to them or be patient with them or be kind to them or to be the best leader I could be. Because I was I didn't really have any like spiritual fuel. I wasn't like walking with the Lord. So anytime you operate out of the flesh, the, you know, your, your flesh is going to affect the others around you. And they're going to be like, I don't want to work with you anymore. <laughs> so, you know, essentially the people that I worked with and had known for many years, they were like, kind of like, I don't want to work with you anymore. And, um, wow. They come out and just like say that? No, they said it to the board and that's kind of how it works in nonprofit is like, and I probably in lots of circles, it's like people don't really follow Matthew 18. And I, I don't always follow Matthew 18 either. So I'm not judging. But, you know, in that world or that culture, it's like they go to the board and the board comes to you and says, oh, no one wants to work with you. And, you know, your performance is slipping and we want to correct these issues. But really beyond that, there was a, a conflict with the company we had, I had started with. We, we stopped our agreement with them. And so as a result, there were like a domino effect from that. Um, it resulted in like a lawsuit and some other crazy stuff. And, you know, I, I, I didn't handle it as well as I could have. Because, again, I wasn't really walking with the Lord. So, of course, I'm going to operate differently, um, function differently. And so it was just kind of a perfect storm of like, people don't want to work with you anymore. The corporate company, they're suing us. That didn't go well either. We want to give you a huge pay cut. <laughs> like to punish you essentially. And I was just like, eh, I'm not gonna wow. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna be punished. I, I don't mind changing. It wasn't I wasn't being stubborn about change. I just didn't want to be like punished and punished and punished. And it just became very clear that the Lord wanted me to move on. So other people wanted me to move on, but the Lord also wanted me to move on. And so I did. And it was really scary. This was like literally the scariest thing that's ever happened to me was we had five kids. We just had our fifth child. Um, we, you know, Rachel was a stay-at-home mom because we had five kids. <laughs> so it wasn't like we had backups or like we didn't have a lot of reserve. We had enough reserve to last for a few months. Um, and they offered me severance, but there were like strings attached that were like pretty, pretty impossible to overcome. So I had to decline severance for six months, which was really hard because I'm like, oh, I could really use that money. Uh, but it had all these like weird like contingencies and strings and we want to control you for three years essentially and I had to say no to it it was really painful really hurtful all the friendships and relationships I had thought were really a solid were not as solid as they really were and I, I've heard this said before that like your work relationships are not as strong as you think they are as soon as you leave that company you realize real quick oh those weren't as strong as I thought they were 
Um, yeah, because they are. I mean, they're all built around work. working for this yeah. particular organization, yeah. so they're only as strong as. Now, you might have a strong personal relationship yeah. off campus, but right. if your only relationship is on campus, then yeah, once that's gone, then it's essentially gone. So that was painful to yeah. realize that. But the nice thing is that I really figured out who my true friends were because my friends were my friends, and they were there and they supported me and they said, "You want to get coffee?" and they walked me through it. And my family was there, and they helped me immensely. And my, of course, my wife and my kids were there for me. So it was like it was like kind of a refining thing of like, yeah, I have all these like hundreds of peripheral acquaintances that really don't care about me, <laughs> and probably they'd say the same thing about me. It's like, well, he didn't really care about me either. Um, but it helped me figure out, oh, like it was just like a life lesson, you know. And so in the midst of that, I was like struggling. Um, because I'm like, I'm the breadwinner here. What are we going to do? So at this point, do you have like any money coming in or you just quit? And you- what, what I had was I had a side, a side business. So in the midst of running that company, that nonprofit, I had this side gig where I would buy costumes and um, like weird like theater props that were desirable in the world of theater. And I would rent them out to other theaters. And I did that off off my time at work, I would do it at home or on weekends and I'd work on it. And Now, how did you originally, what gave you the idea to kind of get into doing something like that? I I was at uh, one of our theaters and um, the theater director there was like, we're trying to get rid of this set of Audrey 2 puppets. And Audrey 2 is the man-eating plant from the show Little Shop of Horrors. And so I knew that that was reasonably valuable and I knew I could fit it in my garage. So kind of like on a whim, I said, well, how much do you want for it? And he said, I want $600. So I'm like, hmm, I'll try it. <laughs> so I bought it. I bought it for <laughs> You're $600. You're a uh, fierce negotiator. Yeah, well, I, I knew it was worth more than that. I'll say that. Because I, uh, I knew people that had paid thousands for that. So oh, wow. The worst case scenario, I'm like, well, I can just sell it if it doesn't work out. So I bought it. It was around Halloween time. I thought, oh, it'll be a cool Halloween decoration. I put it in our garage. We used it for Halloween. And I went online, and I found there were a couple groups in the area that were producing the show. So I reached out to them personally and said, hey, here's pictures of the puppets I just bought. Would you like to rent them for $500? And to my surprise, every one of them was like, yes, (laughs) we want to rent that. So right away, I realized realized I could make money off renting or buying something and then re-renting it multiple times. Excuse me. So um, I, I, I started to find success with that and kind of slowly but surely I started coming across other things for sale, uh, costumes for shows and things like that. And I started just acquiring them like as a private collection and I make a little bit of money off them on the side. Um, so by the time I left the big company I worked for, I had enough inventory to go full. Like, I didn't have any other prospects, so I just started renting these things out more. I started becoming more aggressive about marketing it and reaching out to people. And, um, you know, I, st- I was praying, Lord, help us have money, and he was, like, already doing it. It's funny when we when we are praying for help and we're already receiving it, you know? Right, right. Or, Lord, I need this. And he's like, yeah, I've already given it to you. Right, kind of yeah. like he knows what we need even before we yes, ask him. Exactly. Right, well, it's it's obvious that he was just 
through this little side gig that he was preparing you for what he knew was coming, yeah, which was this absolutely. loss, this future loss of this, you know, pretty yeah. consistent income. Yeah. So I was in my mind, I'm like, well, how many months until we have to sell our house? And in his was in his all knowing wisdom, he's like, well, you're not going to sell your house. I'm going to provide through this other thing you have. And so when I left that other job, and I believe I left it by faith because I didn't have anywhere to go, and I, did, I couldn't sign a contract that was kind of horrible, um, and my wife was fully supportive, I, I just started getting more bookings. I started, like, we st- started keeping track on the calendar, and I would show the kids because I think the kids were worried too, like, how are we going to eat? How are we going to pay the bills? And I started just kind of writing it on the calendar so that it was very transparent. It was like, here's how much money we got today. And, um, and we, we, we did this thing where every time I made $5,000, we'd go out to eat. And it started happening a lot. <laughs> I started going out to eat a lot. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, and I do, I do remember being really honest with the Lord again and saying, Lord, I am so worried about this. And it was like a, such a like, burden on my shoulders of like, how am I going to provide for my family? And I remember as I was saying that to, saying that to him, he said, you're not going to lose one penny this year. You're going to make the exact same amount of money That's incredible. this as you did in this other job. And this like just brand new, yeah, barely like, going half cock adventure. Yeah, this is a hobby. God's like, yeah, it's like it'd be like if you had a hobby for like making kites or something. And the Lord's <laughs> like, yeah, you're gonna have a six figure income from kite making, you know, or whatever that ridiculous, it felt ridiculous. But I, I believed him. I said, okay, well, I feel like that I, sounds like your voice, and that's not from me. And, you know, sure enough, at the end of that year, because I left in January, at the end of that year, I look back and I'm like, yeah, it was exactly there. It was exactly that amount. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. That's inc- so you made like exactly that amount to I mean, the. I, I don't know if it was to the dollar. to the five dollar to the ten. I'm just yeah, kidding. I, I mean, it was to the it was to the close enough where you're like, wow, that really was a that was a fulfillment promise. of it, what it God. Was, it was more than it was more than I made. So, like in in fairness, it was more than I made, and he wasn't wow. saying to the dollar. He was saying it's going to be that. Yeah. And more. Yeah. And um, so. In the midst of doing that, I was still called to do youth theater. And, and where, what's, oh, you're in Chicago still in Chicago, at this yeah. point. So in the midst of that, I'm not like giving up my calling. I'm like, like, I don't know what to do with this calling, but I need to make a living right now. So I kept doing the calling. I, I formed a new theater company. And, and my, my thought was, we're going to start one here um, in Chicago and compete with the program I already worked on for 15 years, which was a stupid plan. Like, why would you try to recreate the same thing you've already done in the same exact place and then compete against an endeavor that you started? So uh, that was a dumb idea that I had, but the Lord knew better. And so in the process of doing that, um, I started sharing the idea with some people I knew. One of them was in Canada, one of them was in Texas. And they're like, oh, well, we're in a position where we want to do something like that too. And, um, so by sharing that idea, some doors opened up in Alberta, Canada, and I thought about, they were like, well, maybe you could move here and help us with this here. And then I shared it with another uh, lady I had known from my, my other job who had moved to Texas, and she's like, oh, well, we're starting one down here. And um, through the process of doing that, I, I shared our website and our brand with the group in Texas, and they actually went right into it. They like took the, took the website, took the brand, and like launched a theater camp like two weeks later. And I'm like, wow, that was really fast. And 
in my mind, I'm not like, oh, we're moving to Texas. It was like, wow, these guys have a lot of faith. They're implementing this really quickly. And my wife and I decided we would come down and visit and see the camp in action. And we got there, we were like, wow, there's like 80 kids already signed up for this camp. Oh, wow. It was really like a move of the whole That's phenomenally camp. fast. It, it was Frozen had just come out. So they advertised, we're doing Frozen camp. And we had done a Frozen camp in Chicago too. And we had like 50 or 60 kids come just by, just by saying we're doing Frozen camp. Well, they had it, but they had two camps for Frozen. And both of them were like 60, 70, 80 kids each. And it was just like an amazing spirit, and the, the work they did was pretty pretty impressive. And by meeting that group, they, they said, well, eventually they were like, would you like to come be part of this? And um, we said yes. So it was another move of like, and they weren't offering any money. Um, they were just offering an opportunity. And we were ready to move out of Chicago because um, – it was very awkward to be there and know so many people. Like, we go to the grocery store, we go to church, we'd see people, and they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, what happened to you? And, uh, like, every conversation was, like, awkward and sad. And we're like, okay, we, need time to, to go. It, we need to <laughs> kind of start a fresh start. Like, yeah. we thought about going to, to Canada. That door kind of closed. And then this seemed like, okay. But in the midst of that, I remember being, like, we didn't have a place to live here. So I was, like, back to literally when I moved to Chicago as a single guy, I'm back to the exact same place, seemingly, where I'm like, I'm moving somewhere where I don't have a job, <laughs> I don't know anybody, and they're not going to pay me any money. So it's like, you think in life that you go from like career move to career move to career move and like things get easier, but really, like the Lord still requires us to have faith no matter what our age is. And so um, it was so funny because I, I remember... We had this opportunity to move here, and I said, well, to my wife, I said, well, l only if we get someone to rent our house in Chicago will we move. Let's wait till we find someone to rent our house in Chicago until we move. And she said, well, that doesn't take any faith. If everything's lined up, what, where's the faith in that? And I knew that she was right. Which is very interesting because, I mean, the past 30 minutes that we've been talking, I've just heard you like stepping out yeah. in faith over and over and yeah, over yeah. and over and over again. So yeah, what's funny also is you would think that in this scenario, oh yeah, looking back, yeah, I stepped out in faith here, here, right, here, right. here, here. God provided, no problem. Okay, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, 39 years old and I'm still learning. <clears throat> learning. I was learning a lesson then of like, oh, like, it, like once you express faith, it doesn't mean you're going to express faith the rest of your life. It's not like a, like, that's, I think God wants us to constant, I'm, like every day, trust him that way. And so I wasn't trusting him because I was worried about having five kids and not having income. And how, how crazy, like if I told you that we moved to Houston with no place to live, only a timeshare to stay in for one week, and we had no one to rent our house back in Chicago, and school was starting in a, it had already started actually, and we had no income other than this side gig, right? Because at the time, that rental business, this was halfway through the year. This wasn't a year of rental income. Oh, we made it. This was a few months of rental income. And like what percentage of that rental income was, you know, part of like, let's say there's this 100% number that yeah. you need to take care of your family. Where was the rental business at it at was this like, point? It was like at the halfway mark. 
So it was reasonable, but it wasn't like it was a slam dunk of, oh yeah, we're gonna make a lot of money. And plus I'm factoring in the fact that we don't have someone to rent our house and that's a mortgage payment. I'm like, I don't, it, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was very risky. And, um, but fortunately my wife was like, let's do it. Let's get the kids in school. And she agrees that we should move into a timeshare for one week. And in our minds, we're That's like, incredible. well, at the end of the timeshare week, we'll have rented a house, um, which was such a crazy, looking back, I'm like, that, were we insane? Because <laughs> it takes a, sometimes it takes more than a few days to find a place to live. But we didn't think of that. We just were like, okay, well, the Lord will provide. And, and he sure did. The day before we lost our timeshare, we found our house. And it's it was incredible. a rental home. And our, the kids went to school um, within a few days of moving here into brand new schools, all of them. And I started meeting with the ministry team here on a weekly basis at Chick-fil-A. And we launched a fall lineup of classes and production. And we had like literally no money to start the theater company. There was no donors giving us huge sums of money. We were completely dependent on people signing up for classes and signing up to audition and stuff. So it was back to, literally back to when I started a theater when I was 22 years old. And 17 years later, I'm doing the exact same thing. Wow. But with five kids, <laughs> which is a little bit harder than when you're a single guy and the only bills you have are like beef jerky and like, you know, well, it, going it, to a movie once in a while. It kind of reminds me, I think, you know, when, when God called Abraham to leave Haram and come to Canaan, you know, he essentially was like a single guy or was he, I think he was married to Sarah at the time or, yeah, um, but no children. Yeah. But no kids or anything. And so, you know, his dad dies and then he picks up and, and he goes and, but you know, when you look later on in life, when he's, I mean, how old was he, you know, 110 or something like that years old. And God's like, take your son, your only uh, son, yeah. whom you love, you know, mm-hmm. and go in and, and sacrifice him to me. And, you know, so it's just the, and that's a, obviously an extremely extreme example, but it's, I think it's a good illustration that, yeah. that God likes to test our faith yes. at different stages of our lives. And yes. he likes us to test our, he likes to test our faith when the stakes are, are really high. And yeah. I mean, to me, maybe the biz, biggest example is Daniel. Here's this guy who is just so unbelievably faithful to God in just a pagan land of Babylon mm-hmm. uh, with this pagan king. And, and Daniel, um, uh, God's like, uh, basically, he allows this law to be passed where it's illegal to pray, and Daniel just keeps, he's an old man, been faithful to God for decades, but yet Daniel is still his faith is still tested. God still even wanted to test Daniel's faith. And so it is interesting because we do kind of have this idea, we think in a lot of ways, that as we get older, things should kind of get easier and more like clockwork and all this money mm-hmm. and things are easy and all that. But that's not necessarily, yes. you know, Abraham was a pretty wealthy man at that point as well. Right. But God still tested God still tested his yeah. faith when the stakes were high. And so that's, you know, sounds like what was what was going on with you because this whole, your whole story has just been 
really, I feel like, and I know we've talked about your story many times, but I just, I just feel like since you've been sharing it, it's just been a, a, a just incredible test and display of faith over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Yeah, and, and it makes it makes it sound like like I'm like I, it's hard to share stories where you're like you're always the hero um, because it's not really me. It's really like the Lord gave me the faith I needed when yeah. I needed it. So even like we can't even take credit for our faith, right. believe it or not, because it's like that's still an act of the Holy Spirit empowering us and giving us the strength to have the faith. So it's like, I can't take credit. I literally can't take credit for anything I've done because every single thing that's happened to me has been because of God's provision, the faith I needed at the time, the money I needed at the time, the opportunities that came, they're all like from his hand. And so whatever that small part of our, like our, we still have a role. It's like not everybody does respond in faith. So whatever small percentage it is, I'm, I'm, I feel like God gave me the grace to do that. Yeah, it's still the grace of God. Yeah, right, in that in the in those moments. Amen. Um, I I actually feel right now is the biggest challenge of faith because like now today you know, we don't have a financial burden. I don't worry about paying for groceries or things like that. There's we we the business has grown so much that now we're in this place where like the temptation is to rely on ourselves even more than ever before. It's like if you if you make uh, if you make good money, I think the new challenge is like how do I not um, put my hope in, in money, in riches, in security? Like I find myself thinking about like retirement. What am I going to do about retirement? How am I going to pay for college? And how do we get enough money set aside for this? And how hmm, should we buy a second? Like there, there's these like right. rich people problems. I'm not and I'm not rich, but like when you make it as a business owner, I think the challenge becomes like, how do you remember to share? (laughs) How do you remember to not become self-sufficient and rely on money, which is, I think the biggest trap of all. I think that it's when you need God, you need God. When you're like, I need you for my daily bread. You know, that's different than I don't need you for my daily bread anymore. You know, and so what does that look like? And I, I think that's what I'm kind of excited about this podcast. One of the reasons I'm excited about this podcast is because I actually want to ask people how do they navigate that? I want because we're going to be talking to successful business owners. So how do you navigate being successful, and not necessarily when you pray, give us our daily bread, having that be a sincere prayer, because uh, you're really not asking for daily bread. You already have that daily bread. So it's more about like, well, how do I share daily bread with people that need it, and how do I right. how do I use this business that you've blessed me with to bless others. How do I, how can I be a good steward of what you've given me? So it changes a little bit. And so that's one of the things I'm really struggling with is because like I shared before, like years ago when I was running the successful theater company, I, there was a couple years where I wasn't really trusting in the Lord. I was kind of substituting working for ministry with, um, as my, as my walk. And so now I kind of find myself in a similar position where it's like, each day is a daily struggle to stay devoted to him whilst being very busy in the business realm. And how do I keep him first? And how do we keep him first in our, with our checkbook? How do we keep him first with our, the best part of our day? How do we continue to depend on him when there's this, uh, there's plenty of money coming in, if that makes any sense. Right. Right. Um, that's why I think Jesus talked a lot about like 
treasure and money and giving and kind of like as a way of seeing where our heart is. And I have to confess that sometimes my heart, oftentimes my heart leans toward business, toward entrepreneuring, toward making money. It's more, very easy. More so very than like easy. devotion to the scriptures and to my walk and to um, being super generous and super um, um, open-handed with with the resources he's given me. It doesn't get easier. This is one of the things I teach the students that I work with. It doesn't get easier to tithe as you get more money. It gets harder to tithe when you have more money. It's easier right. to tithe $2 when you have $20 than it is to give 10% on a like a full blown, like large income, like right. salary, let's say. Um, and there's more things that pull at that money than when you're like a kid and you're absolutely. $20. Yeah. A lot more investment opportunities. Right. I mean, there's so many things that come your way. We, we know lots of ways to rationalize like, Oh, well we need a reserve fund for a home and we need to save up all kids four years of tuition and we need to save for retirement. And so it's like all these other things pull at your resources in, but the standard of tithe hasn't changed. Like God's, doesn't change when you get more money and more excuses. It, it stays the same. In fact, it's people that have more, more is required, essentially. Right. That's, that's the scripture on that. It's like, to, to whom more has been given, more is expected, right? Right. So. Right. Well, and, you know, we know a, a blogger that um, set off to, she started her blog, and she made a commitment that she's going to give 50%. Of wow. everything that she makes off her blog. Oh my gosh. And when she was making 50, 100 bucks easy. a month off, easy. it was easy, no big deal. But she was a very successful blogger. And, you know, when you make 5,000 or 10,000 in a month, it's harder. Half of that goes away. That's a whole. That's a whole different animal. That's a whole different animal. And, and so, yeah, it, it absolutely is. You know, even um, paying taxes, even, you know, yeah. it's easier the, the less money you make. But even though you have to pay yeah. more, the more money you make, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's like, it's, it's a lot of money. Even though you, you're making far more yeah. now, like you're ending off with far more now than what you, what you, had, what right. you had originally. So, yeah, no, it... It is, and that I think for for business owners and for successful business owners, that idea of you know really how we handle the treasure that yeah. that God has given us. And this is like is, almost like this is almost like another episode. Like it really is. This, it really this is. should be its own. But episode. we got to talk about we got to talk about how you got to this point because okay. at this point in the story where we were is that you're um, y'all did find a house. Y'all, your kids are in school. Y'all are moved down here, but you're still at like a 50% yeah. income. God, yeah. has, God has told, well, God has told you that you're going to uh, make uh, at least what you made with yeah. the other job. So you did. We did. And it's, it's it, in the midst of moving to Texas, it wasn't all like his hand was with us the whole time. But I remember like the day we arrived or the next day we, after we arrived at night, I woke up and I looked on my phone and I had owned like a stock in a company called Tim Hortons, and because I thought the coffee was really good, it and is. I bought a large stake in it. I wish we had one here. With my my four hundred one k money, I bought a large stake in for in Tim Hortons. Oh wow! Before I moved to Texas, I said, I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to sell that stock because I don't want to have any risk associated with that stock. So I sold the stock, 
at, at break even basically on it. The day after we arrived in Texas, Burger King bought Tim Hortons and the stock doubled in value. <laughs> and so I woke up my first day here oh and I told my, my wife, I said, you know that stock I sold? It just went up, uh, it was like $15,000 in one day. Oh I, I would have made $15,000 in one day if I had just held on for like a few more days. And I had no idea they were going to, no one knew they were going to Yeah, I mean, who, who knew? So, so it was one of those moments where I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? Why wouldn't you force me to keep, st-? you know, but God doesn't force us to keep stock. Right, you right. Know? And I, I remember in that moment, he's like, don't worry about it. That's nothing. Like something in the sense, something in the sense of like, that's nothing. You ain't seen nothing yet. Exactly. That's what it was. It was like, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm like, that is a lot. That is something. <laughs> like, I'm doubting him. I'm like, what do you mean that's nothing? That's quite significant. We could definitely have used that in our 401k. Um, and it's just funny, the things that we think that God will provide yeah. through. All right, he doesn't need any of that. Yes, so you he might doesn't. close that because he wants, because that isn't so much yeah. to his glory. You know, I just read the story of Gideon's 300 you know, to mm-hmm. where he was like, no, there's too many, there's 20,000 people. Yeah, they'll say we, well, they'll say that we yes. delivered ourselves. Yes. And God's like, no, get rid of these people. We got down to 300. It, it was super, it was supernatural and so God the, got the glory. So this is exactly what happened the whole first couple months I was in Texas. It was stock went up $10,000, but I'd already sold it. I arrive at the first day of classes for the theater program and there's like, I thought there'd be a hundred kids. There was like, 30 kids, 40 kids. And I'm going, because they had said, well, if we get a lot of enrollment, maybe we can pay you something. And when I arrived, I'm like, they're not going to be paying me for a long time. Yeah. I knew right away. And so I, you know, I didn't get paid for anything I did. And I, at that moment, I'm like, I, I, not only am I not going to be paid, but I'm not, I can't in good conscience accept pay because it'll bankrupt the company. If I accepted any form of pay, we really wouldn't last more than a year. So I started writing letters of support. So I went to all these people I knew, family, friends, people that I had supported myself in the past, wrote letters and said, hey, here's the mission. There's what we're doing. We're starting a ministry. We could really use your help. And I was really disappointed because after a month, I think only like my parents and like my grandpa and my uncle and aunt supported us. And maybe, and I think a few others, a, a friend, uh, two other friends supported us like with a one-time gift, which was really cool of those five people. But I needed like 20 or 30 people to help us. And I remember going to, like talking to the Lord real honestly and saying, Lord, what a, how am I going to raise support? How are we going to do this? There's no, and again, this is in the middle point of that income. I, I, I wasn't arrived at like full income. I was like, right. I don't know. What, it was really up in the air. And summer months are very lean for us as a business. So Literally, no money's coming in because we moved in the summer. And um, I remember the, I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to be your sponsor. So and that, those, that, that, oh, that, that word man. stuck with me. Because, again, I wasn't like, oh, okay, problem solved. Oh, you said you'll be my sponsor. No, no longer do I have any worries. It was more like, okay, well, how? Um, <laughs> what do you mean you're going to be my sponsor? Are you going to be sending me monthly checks? Have you learned nothing yet, Justin? Like, have you yeah, learned nothing yet? Literally, I've learned, learned nothing. So... <laughs> So like, but at the same time, it was encouraging. So it was puzzling. That's incredible. It was puzzling, what but it was a word! You know how many people that raise missionaries that raise money that would like grab onto a word like that. Yeah, that yeah. is an incredible word I, from the I, Lord. I grabbed onto it, but with that's, with, that's with, with a little bit of cautious. 
sure. optimism. Like, well, sure. let's see. And I'd already seen his hand in so many ways that it wasn't like I had no basis for any of this. I had years, like 20 years of seeing his hand. But it, it, I guess it just, it, there's always challenges, I guess, with our faith. We're not, nobody is like rock solid with their faith oh, and, and in, look, in any circumstance. If I was in the same scenario, right? Right. Uh, and God told me that, how would I react? Right, right. It's easy now for me to look back to see your success and to yeah. know you and, and, you know, and, and all of that. But if when you're in the moment, you got five kids and, yeah. you know, and no all money of coming this, in, no money coming in, only money going out because I had another mortgage I'm paying and now I'm paying rent on a house. And in my, ma- my mind, I'm just doing the math and it's like, this isn't, I mean, I know you're saying that you're going to be my sponsor, but. W- when is that going to happen? Like, it's not happening through people sending me checks. And so one of the ways that he answered or kind of affirmed that that was true was out of the blue, I get a phone call from a lady I've never met in my life. She had seen some of my postings online advertising some of our other, like, theater stuff for rent. And she says, well, I see that you are online renting these things. I have a really nice collection of Shrek costumes. And Shrek had just come out as a musical that people could produce. So it was kind of like the hot ticket. And she said, I've got a pretty nice set of costumes. And she sent me a picture, like the pictures and everything. And I'm like, how much is it? And remember, I have no money coming in. So I'm like, uh, very cautious about it. But I'm like, how much do you want for this collection of costumes? She said, uh, $3,500. In the theater world, that's an extremely low amount of money to buy 75 yeah. handmade costumes. Yeah. It, it, that's a lot of manpower. Those were probably $15,000 to create. And so I said to her, I said, well, that's the rental price, right? And she said, no, that's the sale price. That's to sell them to you. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like kind of like getting a deal where you're like, wow, that was one-fifth of what it should have been. And... Um, I was trying to give her more money. She's like, no, I just want the cost of X, Y, and Z, and I'll take $3,500. So I bought them, and we instantly started making, like, money hand over fist on them. It was, like, booked, booked, booked. Wow. From that point to the end of the year, it was booked, like, five times. It was insane. And um, that's kind of what put us over the edge in terms of making it to that that promise that God had given us. And we started kind of reinvesting that money and buying other collections of costumes. And it, it just went bonkers from there. And so it went from being like a hobby with like four or five different things to offer people to being eventually over the course of the last kind of five years, it's grown to probably, I don't know, well over a million dollars in inventory, I would say, in terms of what the value is. Wow. And that's all the Lord. That, that literally was not me. And, and this, there, to this day, people still come to me out of nowhere. And I'm like, well, and it feels like the Lord is still saying, I'm your, I'm your sponsor. I'm your provider. Remember that. And, and we, get, we get a lot of like business. It's, some of it's from us grabbing leads and stuff online. And, but a lot of it is just out of the blue. People coming to us and saying, hey, I want to write your stuff. You or, know, <laughs> it's yeah. just truly amazing how how God can just provide through, you know, and that's why I think a lot of people are just mesmerized by your, your business when they first hear about yeah, they, it. They yeah. laugh. I mean, I have to like explain to people, like, like people will ask me what I do and I'm, I'm always really sh- like kind of gun shy about telling them what I do. Cause I, I don't want them to laugh at me or think <laughs> that I'm like crazy, you know, like what do you do for a living? I usually say I run a small business. Well, what is the small business? <laughs> uh, I rent theater supplies. 
what, what kind of theater supplies? It's costumes. <laughs> I'm always like kind of like nervous to share. It's costumes because I think they're going to laugh at me and go, oh, so you rent like Halloween costumes out to like people and <laughs> Dracula and like, like a kid comes by the shop. Um, yeah. can, can I get can a, I get a, a Pokemon costume? Right. But it's not that kind of a business. It's really like we rent full shows of costumes to like high school, regional, professional theater companies. So, and so you must have some enormous warehouse where all of this is stored, right? <laughs> well, we do have a couple storage units, but most of it is stored in our home, believe it or not. And so that's another pretty big challenge of, for anyone out there that actually runs a business out of their home and has a large inventory of things in their home. It's, it, it can take over your, your family life. And so we do our kids work for the business. My wife and I work together on it. Um, but it is a zoo. It is very challenging. It is very difficult to separate uh, and have a normal life when you're running a business out of your home. And so one of our goals is, of course, to get the business out of our home. Um, but that's very e- you know, easy said, easier said than done. Yeah. Especially yeah, in Houston. Of- Houston is a very expensive place to rent and buy like industrial commercial space. Ah, uh, okay. So, a lot of activity in Houston. I mean, Houston is. is just... It's a hot just, market. I wish it was... Booming. I wish I was in Illinois right now just for the <laughs> price of warehousing. It's very cheap in Illinois. Right, because, I mean, you ship all over. I mean, you ship... Yeah, we ship all, all over the country. It's... Um, Do you want to give the website, your company's yeah, website? Yeah, it's Theater by Design. So theater is spelled E-R, by design.com. And you can check out um, quite a bit of our inventory there. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. His inventory is... It's literally Broadway quality stuff. I remember when the the organization that that you're with now and leading now, uh, National Youth Theater, when they did Beauty and the Beast, it was I was just awestruck by how the kids looked in those costumes. They literally looked like like it was a you know production on Broadway in New York. Yeah. And so this is is that that's a, and that's another. To me, kind of another sign that that God has has blessed you, because what He likes to do is He likes to take nothing, yeah, and create incredible beauty from it. You know, like He didn't want to just give you um, this kind of halfway, you know, decent costumes, that kind yeah. of stuff. You know, to kind of get you by. He's like, no, it's I'm going to provide. Yeah. I'm going to provide, and, and not only that, but I'm going to show my glory through the quality. You know, mm-hmm. of 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 what you're doing. And, and that, that to me just is not that, you know, uh, not that we're not that it's about all the glitz and glam and, and all of that. But when you put on a theater show, Mm -hmm. you, you want the, you want quality stuff. You, the, the visual appeal of it is, is, is essential. And so it really, um, kind of took that, I think took the, takes, takes NYT to the next level yeah. um, as well as anyone else that, that, that rents the costumes and stuff. So and that, bring, that reminds me, I'm glad you talked about that because and this is kind of like my final point I would want to make is that I did another honest prayer in addition to the, like, how are we going to get support before we even moved to Texas? I remember I had this prayer and I thought it was crazy because I had never known anything different, but I prayed, Lord, if there's any way, it's kind of like one of those early prayers. If there's any way I can be a director, this was a, if there's any way I can just make money off rentals and just serve the ministry, the nonprofit and not get paid money from the nonprofit, that would be amazing because I had already lived through 15 years of depending on the nonprofit, depending on a board of directors, depending on 
that endeavor to provide for our needs. And I, and I thought, Lord, if there's any way I can get out of that world and into the realm of just being a business owner and de- depending on the, you know, on you and on the, you to provide through the business, that would be so much better for the ministry. But I don't know if that's possible. Like I always say, Lord, I don't know if it's possible, but, <laughs> <laughs> and he of course knows that all these things are possible. And he did that. And so yeah. even in the early days of this ministry, when they'd say, well, we want to give you $500 or we want to give you $200, I'd always decline it because I, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, no, I'm going to provide for you. Literally, not even the nonprofit's going to provide for you. In fact, you're going to be the one providing a large part for the nonprofit, which is really yeah. cool because he answered that prayer. We've been able to make make good money, and we've been able to help donate toward the nonprofit on a, a pretty good level and help the ministry grow. And so not only am I not needing to be like a financial burden on the company, I'm able to actually help the company financially. Right, right. Uh, and also we donate costume use and these great like backdrops and costumes and it makes the shows look really good. And it kind of sets, helps set us apart as a, as a theater. And, and, and I'm not taking any credit for that because I didn't build the costumes. I'm buying these costumes often. I'm buying these costumes from these master crafts, you know, seamstresses and designers who are building these shows and they're selling them to me um, at a a discount basically, because they don't want to store these items. Um, And, um, so I, I literally, I can't even take credit for the costumes being good because I didn't build them. I'm just like a curator <laughs> and I'm offering them to the rest, of amazing. the rest of the country to, to rent them. It just goes to show like when God wants, that's why it's so important. Uh, one of the many reasons why it's so important to just simply like, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, guide and lead me, mm. you know, to be on your path for my life, whatever that is. And when we, when we start and end there, this kind of stuff happens, mm. you know, it, it's when I, when we try to just kick against the goads mm. and just do our own thing just because of uh, personal ambition or yeah. just kind of whatever it is that we personally desire, yeah. that's really when we get in, get in trouble and sometimes in really, really big trouble as opposed to following the spirit of God and going in whatever way that he wants us to. And then we see the, the blessings, we see the victory. And that doesn't mean it's not incredibly difficult right. at times. Sometimes it's much harder to, right. to follow Jesus than, than to just kind of go our own way in some ways. Yeah. But in other ways, it, it, it's not because he's going to provide, and then right. he, but he's also going to like bless our lives, and we're going to experience that intimate relationship with him yeah. in, in, that, in that capacity. And so that's, that's what I've been just just been hearing as I've, as I've been uh, listening to your story. It's pretty... Yeah, and, and, and I think that sometimes when Christians talk about success in business, it, maybe it's confusing to people when they hear that, and they go, well, you're giving all the glory to God. Didn't you have any part of it? Um, I've, I've heard that before. Like, well, well, it's because of your hard works. It's also because of your hard work. And that is true. <laughs> like, if you want to be successful in business, you definitely have to work hard. And no this question. is not because of just no work at all and being lazy. We work really hard. And there are months and months and months where all we do is work our fingers to the bone to fulfill all these orders. So it's not like we just push a button and make money. We, we work really hard. <laughs> I'm saying that the credit still goes to the Lord and it's 
understood that hard work is still involved. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I think that's important to point out. If you guys out. just you sit on the couch. to work hard. <laughs> you guys just decide to sit on the couch all day. God does not bless lazy, right. lazy individuals in any, he does not do that. Right. Well, he, it, he, he expects us to work hard. Well, it's kind of the Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 model where we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, but we're created then, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, yes. which he prepared ahead of time yeah. for us to walk in. And Amen. so it's, even when we're saved by grace, it's, it's free. We didn't earn it. Yeah. But when we receive the spirit of God, he, he has stuff for us to actually yeah. do. Amen. And, and so we, we partner with God in that. And, and that's what is, uh, and that of course enriches our lives and, and makes, you know, what the kingdom of God is ultimately all about. So, um, well, Justin, Thank you. Thank you for man. sharing your story. Thanks for listening. This was phenomenal. I've known you for a few years now, and I, I learned a thing or two. So, um, but thanks too. for Thank opening you. up with the audience and, and sharing everything. It was a lot of fun.